Hi, welcome to the Theta Game Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGame.com. I'm your host, Junie, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. Thank you. Okay, hopping into earnings for this week. Nothing on Monday um, because it's Labor Day and the stock market is closed. Uh, after close on Tuesday, there is UiPath and GitLab. Before open on Wednesday, there is Neo. After close on Wednesday, you have GameStop, American Eagle, Asana, and David Buster's. Before open on Thursday, there's Billy Billy uh, and Lovesack. Shout out to Slow. After close on Thursday, there's DocuSign, Zscaler, and Zoomies. And before open on Friday, there is Kroger. Just going over uh, the companies reporting this week, nothing too much stands out to me. Um, I'll probably just be looking at uh, Zoomies just because I'm just always so curious on just what the trend is for kids and skating and stuff. It'd be cool to see that. Oh, also Smith & Wesson is also reporting after Thursday. That's a, a gun company. Uh, and then before open on Wednesday, there's also Academy Sports Outdoors, which I forgot to also say. Um, but yeah, looking at Zoomies is just for fun for me. Um, there's GameStop. So I didn't know that Ryan Cohen and um, a few other people were accused of pump and dumping um, in an actual lawsuit. I kind of thought that, that was just a meme, but it's actually true. Um, and speak, and we'll get into just a little bit of what happened to the CFO of B, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, but uh, other companies that kind of like stand out to me is like DocuSign. Um, I'd imagine that their revenue is directly tied to the productivity of like just companies in general, more deals being signed, more of anything being signed, more revenue is typically a good sign that businesses are still operating as normal. But that's just me kind of st- like stretching for a reason to kind of correlate their earnings with the macro economy. Um, another one that I'm looking at, uh, just I guess just as like a call out, just to be, um, I'll just give everyone a kind of a warning. Uh, Neo stock is reporting before open on Wednesday. So Neo is a electric EV company, um, electrical vehicle company. If that wasn't volatile enough, it's also a Chinese EV company. So it'll be interesting to see um, what they report and how they report. Just because, man, China needs all the good news that they can get right now, and it'd be interesting how. Um, how Neo reports. If it's extremely bullish, I'm sure that there'll be a percentage of people that think like, oh, you know, the numbers might be need, needing some sort of audit or something. But yeah, Chinese stocks right now are definitely more risky than in the past. Next up, um, I've been working pretty diligently uh, with some ThetaGain.com website updates. Uh, this uh, time of me being 100% cash and the macro environment not um, being as welcoming as uh, 2020 and 2021 has definitely let me have some time to really just buckle down and get the website kind of prepared for the next bull market. Um, So the last few changes that I've done uh, this week include uh, fixing a bug where there was previously um, a UI issue where I would say that it's listed your last 10 trades, like the last 10 companies of your um, last 10 trades it was actually showing 11 uh, this has been a bug since like the release of the feature which is probably like a year ago but finally got around to fixing that 
Um, the trending stocks feature, uh, so you can see trending stocks on ThetaGain.com. Previously, they were trending stocks um, only on ThetaGain.com, meaning like, say for example, if, I don't know, in an alternate universe, this didn't happen, but in an alternate universe, Bed Bath & Beyond starts becoming the biggest meme stock, and if no one traded Bed Bath & Beyond on ThetaGain.com, it would never be on ThetaGain.com under the trending tickers. Um, but now, um, uh, the trending stocks feature is very comprehensive. Um, it's no longer using a very primitive algorithm, like one that I wrote. Um, and so, uh, you should feel like it's more contextual, it's more relevant. I'm really happy with the changes, uh, and you'll be seeing those uh, trending stocks or those those little icons with the stocks and the change of day uh, spread throughout the site. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, next up, uh, I removed the volatility graph, um, and I'm going to be replacing it with some uh, company metrics, such as P&E ratio and other sort of, um, yeah, just some, some other metrics. Uh, the main reason why I did this was because I feel like I want to start taking ThetaGain.com in a direction where when you look at ThetaGain.com, you kind of also are able to see what I personally prioritize. I think I'm in like a really unique scenario where I've done this very specific style of trading. So, you know, whether, you know, I prioritize PE ratio or if I prioritize like market cap, like what's important to me and how I pick stocks and how I pick options, I think that would be best um, to put into the website just because you know, I could just be like any other fintech website and put every single statistic, every single data point on there, but that leads to like kind of like data overload where, you know, you're looking at all these numbers, you're like, oh, you know, which number is important or, you know, I'm looking for this specific number. And um, yeah, I just think if I were to show people in, in some indirect way of what I think is most important, then maybe they can start paying attention to um, some of those things. One of the most important metrics that I personally um, take a lot of or put a lot of respect on is the P&E ratio, um, namely because a lot of companies don't have one. And if you don't have one, it means your company currently doesn't make any positive revenue or doesn't make money, um, sorry, any positive income. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, a work in progress, there will be more stats, but I wanted to remove the volatility graph because really it didn't, it wasn't very like helpful. It only added stuff to the UI. It just didn't, it didn't serve much function. And while I thought it was really cool and I put like a good about amount of work in it, something you learn as you get like a little bit more and more senior and a little bit more like, I don't know, comfortable with coding, you learn to scrap things and in lieu of just making the website just more polished. And uh, most people uh, do not know about this, but there is or was a reports feature. So like um, I did some dollar cost, or not dollar cost, <laughs> discounted cash flow models uh, for my patrons. Um, and if you were a patron and if you logged in, you looked at a particular stock, there'd be like a five-year outlook outline of what the price could be projected to be. Um, and I also took that out because I actually want to bring that one back, but more transparent. So while there's a lot of back-end work 
that needs to happen for there to be calculations of you know whack weighted average cost of capital and you know gathering of beta and all all of these other things that you need for this really intense calculation i would feel much more comfortable if i was able to present it in a more transparent way of how it's all calculated and so um patrons or users of the feature can feel more confident about um how the numbers are calculated so reports are going to come back i have dreams of having it come back as like a pdf and having there be like a a fancy theta gang report pdf with theta gang watermark on the bottom left corner or maybe watermarked in the very middle or something something that looks super official and maybe there's like an earnings report like um pre-report where it's like i show what's expected you know what's the good levels of support what's where it's expected to go the expected move there's so many cool things i want to do um i have to just come up with the user story of just like what do people actually want it for so that's probably gonna be coming out as like a patron survey or a patron question or something like that but that's coming back and that's that's gonna be um better and more transparent than ever and then the very next feature uh one that i'm gonna be working on like probably like right after this recording just because i have like the whole day to myself here um i want to work on a similar stocks feature so say for example you go to the amd stock on um uh, I want you to be able to know what other stocks are like similar to AMD, uh, and I'll show those stocks um, near the middle of the page. And you can also check out like Nvidia or Intel or maybe uh, like TSMC and all that stuff. So I think it's going to be a really cool feature. I, I'm always looking for ways to have the site more interconnected. Um, right now, it feels like the site is in many buckets. Uh, for example, like you go to your profile, I consider that a bucket. You go to a specific stock, I consider that a bucket. You go to a specific trade, I consider that a bucket. But like say for example, you go to a specific trade and then there's another, you know, there's a few more buttons that say like, oh, click here for another trade that's similar to this. And then now you're suddenly traversing different buckets and making this like interweb of interactions you can have to navigate around the website and check everything out is good the less times that a user has to click back is pretty good in my opinion but um yeah i mean one day maybe i'll just write a, a giant retrospective of just things that i've learned while developing this but I'm, I'm almost certain that these are things that uh, ux people just learn on day one of, of, of ux school or wherever you learn ux okay and a bit of heavy news, um, 12.30 p.m. Friday uh, in Manhattan, in New York, um, the CFO of Bed Bath & Beyond uh, appeared to have jumped from a 57-story skyscraper in the neighborhood of Tribeca. It's appeared that uh, no suicide note has been found, um, but also no criminality uh, is suspected. They don't think that there were any ill intentions that happened um, beyond uh, Gustavo Arnal um, causing harm to himself. Uh, Gustavo um, is one of the people that I kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast about a class action lawsuit accusing him 
and Ryan Cohen and a few other uh, shareholders of uh, doing a pump and dump to artificially raise the price of uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. I also do want to report that this is not a confirmed suicide, but I'll be talking about it in a way that is assuming that it's a suicide. I'm going to just hope that humanity was good here and there was no ill intentions, no one pushed him off, no one forced him to jump, no one did anything bad like that. Um, I do find it weird that there's not a suicide note uh, or anything to have like let his wife know because his wife saw um, and yeah I had to just quickly check uh, it does confirm that his wife saw him jump um, and we're just going to have to take his wife's word for it uh, it's a really sensitive situation so I'm sure that like questioning and all that stuff has happened already or is happening right now as this was just reported like earlier today um, that his wife saw him jump uh, and it's just, wow like this stuff gets to me it's the like remember Alex Kearns remember that episode like it sucks right when people commit suicide because of numbers on a screen right or like just anything related to finance I think it's really sad that people kill themselves not in a sense of like, oh, I think it's sad because I'm higher than that or better than them, but it's just sad in general because there's so much more to life than just watching a number go up and down. Like I mentioned, you know, sometimes that like, it's nice to have money. It makes your life really easy when um, you have a lot of it, but there is a lot of burden that comes with like stressing about it too much or wanting it too much and then doing things that you would never consider yourself in danger of doing until you're it's too late you know um i think in any scenario um you should not feel um that you need to take your own life or commit suicide and by the way like the reason why i corrected myself there from saying taking your own life and then saying suicide is uh just a fun quick fun fact uh, you should be saying the word suicide like as much as possible. It shouldn't be um, necessarily like a taboo word, right? Like you don't want to dance around the word suicide because it's a very like it's a very prominent thing right now. And the more we distance ourselves from the word, it's going to be like it's something that we continue to just do in passing, like you know, saying that. Uh, Arnold or Mr. Arnold or Gustavo um, took his own life. It sounds a little bit better than him committing suicide, but it also doesn't change the fact that, you know, it's still a really, really bad thing. So take the desensitization out of the word suicide by actually bringing it to the forefront of the, you know, the conversation by just saying it. And then just so we can kind of get used to, um, uh, I don't know, just not dancing around it, that we start talking about it more, that we start trying to fix things, because this stuff s sucks. I don't like, to, like, no matter how meme this could be, and I'm sure there's some percentage of Wall Street bets that is actually making fun of this, which is actually really sad. Um, I think this is just a really, really sad thing to hear. I I would hate to hear any of my friends um, ever committing suicide um, and 
you know, Gustavo had to have had friends. He had a wife. I don't know if he had kids or anything, but this this is heavy. And uh, my condolences out to uh, Arnold, Mr. Arnold and his family. And let this be a reminder to you that, uh, or us, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm part of this too. Uh, let this be a reminder to us that we're more than just numbers on a screen. We're more than our jobs and the stress that's put on our jobs. Um, and that, uh, you know, we're human. We make mistakes, uh, but we uh, learn from those mistakes. That's what makes our brain so wrinkly. <laughs> um, and uh, that's what makes us human. We do stupid things a lot of the time, uh, but we learn from them or as much as we can and we get better and better every day. Okay, um, just wanna quickly talk about another news piece here. Um, it's titled Nvidia stock falls after US government restricts uh, chip sales to China. Uh, and this news piece um, came out like right after I actually sold everything. So. Um, on the last podcast episode, I mentioned that I sold everything and that I'll have an update on this episode just of how it's going, and I'll definitely have that update. Um, but this news piece of with Nvidia stock falling because the U.S. government is restricting chip sales to China, um, this update essentially means that Nvidia can no longer export its chips to uh, China, Hong Kong, uh, and Russia. And that will directly impact uh, their revenue, uh, definitely in the short term and possibly in the long term, depending on if there can be any exemptions that the U.S. government gives to NVIDIA or maybe they decide to work with NVIDIA and include them on gov more government contracts. Um, we don't know yet, but this is expected to, to make them have like a 400 million to 450 million um, uh, potential loss. For sales in China which is sizable and it can be looked at as like a beginning of a snowball effect for just tightening um, exports uh, and slowing growth of just GDP in general uh, it's going to be a lot more interesting just because this is also affecting AMD AMD is under the same sanctions as well um, and so semis and semiconductors you know, as much as I loved them because they were like kind of immune to the China news um, back in, I don't know, I don't remember, like 2020 and 2021. Like, I never really considered China to be a risk for any of these two stocks, but this coming out um, has, definitely me, has definitely made me think otherwise. This news piece came out after hours on Friday, August the 26th which is the exact same day that I actually sold all my stocks. I sold my stocks, um, what time was it? Let me check here. I sold my stocks a few minutes before close, like 12.52, and I sold my AMD stocks. So my PayPal stocks at 12.50. Yeah, about like 10 minutes before close, I sold all of my stocks and all of my, I closed out all of my covered calls. Um, let the Discord know. It's all posted. All of it is timestamped on thetagame.com slash Junie, just so you guys and girls know that I'm not lying. And it's also on stream, too. Um, but, yeah, sold out everything. And then I checked after hours market, um, I think, over the weekend. Like, I didn't even check after hours on Friday because I stepped out to do something. 
But uh, checking over the weekend, I saw that there was an after hours drop, and then I was like, huh, what, what is that? And I looked, up, looked it up, and it's because, uh, yeah, NVIDIA is being, um, uh, is not allowed to uh, sell its high-end chips to China. Now, China can still buy uh, like regular GPUs, like regular graphics cards and stuff. It's the AI powering and data center powering chips the super, super high-end expensive ones that NVIDIA is not allowed to export to China because the U.S. is trying to make sure that it doesn't get into the wrong hands, like, say, for the, like, military sector. Um, and, uh, yeah, this just goes more into why we had the semiconductor bill in the first place um, because the semiconductor bill allows... Um, U.S.-based companies to have basically have money to build foundries so they could start manufacturing chips here in the States. Um, NVIDIA, as far as I can tell right now, is still allowed to um, build out of China for the time being, but that more is to be revealed at a later date on just what is happening with manufacturing. But for right now, they are still allowed to build um, out of China. And for, I guess, today's topic, I'm still not sure what I'm going to name this episode, um, but I had a really great question um, that I wanted to personally answer here, uh, just kind of go and walk through my thought process. The question is uh, from a patron, Avrilian, now that you've exited your positions, can you share what your experience has been like watching the market from the sidelines and what your thoughts have been? Do you think not having any positions has made you more objective on the market economy? as a whole, uh, would love to hear your thoughts on this. Number one, like the very first thing that I want to say before I even get into this sort of question is me selling um, everything like prior to the market, like dipping to, let me just like quickly just go to my stock, uh, August 26th. The market, or at least SPY has fallen Three percent from right now, uh, AMD stock from August twenty sixth to today has fallen twelve percent. So I dodged a pretty big bullet there, um, primarily because um, I sold. It's like a whole. It's like a whole thing. I wrote this entire post uh, for the patrons uh, in a very quick summary. Uh, I almost broke even on AMD six times um, and I just had a gut feeling um, that we were gonna start our next leg down I didn't want to hold over the weekend because I just didn't want to really think about it um, and at one point I was like down like 16 17k on my AMD position, I wrote cover calls, I bought the dip, I did all everything that I could ever do, almost broke even six times um, with giant whips, ups and downs. Um, and I eventually exited my AMD position for a 2K loss. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just consider that to be incredibly lucky. And where I am right now, having dodged 12% on AMD loss, and 3% on SPY and just in the market in general. Um, that's, the, I guess that's just the reference point that I, I want you all to know that I have right now. It's like, I am still red for the year. I'm down, um, I think, let me see, like six, seven, let me, 
let me let me find that real quick. Just so you you know, as I'm talking here, I don't sound like a guru. I don't want to sound like I have all the answers in the world. All I can ever really talk about is like my actual results. So not trying to juke anyone. I'm down 7.1% for the year. I have a 14k loss on a 197k portfolio. Um, SPY is down 17%, QQQ is down 25%. So I think I'm personally doing really well. I just got really lucky just right uh, like this last week by dodging a few percentage points. And then now I'm at a bird's eye view just looking around. So with all of that out of the way, knowing that I'm very lucky, I'm very grateful to be in the spot that I am in right now. Um, the biggest thing that I've been able to just kind of like start wrapping my head around is uh, just P and E ratios. So the average um, that uh, the S&P 500 uh, has been for the P and E ratio is about 15. Um, for example, in the dot-com bubble peak, uh, the average P&E ratio was somewhere around like 43, 44. Um, this last peak of like 2022 or 2020, late 2021, uh, it was peaking around like 37. Uh, we're currently at 19.83, or you know, I'll just round that to 20. The median or uh, is uh, basically 15, it's a 14.9, and the mean is 15.97 or 16. So we have about 25% more down to go in terms of uh, P and E ratio, which might mean like, you know, I guess a 20% drop more to go before things are like back to normal with all the growth that has happened in the last two years. Um, but that would, I think, mean that everything is trading at a very, very fair value. And now I'm starting to think like, oh, you know, is the market even going to let it get down that low? Are there going to be enough buyers to buy it before it gets to like this fair price? I don't know. But this, these are just kind of thoughts I've been thinking. Um, so getting to learn more about the average P&E ratio, which is about 15 and knowing that we're still, with all of this uh, chaos that's been happening with the market going down, that we're still around 20. Uh, I personally am thinking that there's a good chance that we fall maybe 25 more percent, um, at least until the P&E ratio makes more, uh, the average P&E ratio still makes uh, sense around 15. Um, do I think it's gonna happen like overnight? No, um, but this is just one of the, the things I've been thinking on. I'll have more updates if this kind of thought uh, develops, but this is a very primitive view that I've, I have on the P&E ratio of the market right now. Uh, and keep in mind that this is the P&E ratio of the S&P 500. While the S&P 500 is pretty um, standard when it comes to just like measuring stocks as a whole, um, that QQQ is more growth oriented, more tech oriented. So P&E ratios and even the average P&E ratio of QQQ will be higher than the average of the S&P 500. So if you are say invested into Nvidia, which has a P&E ratio of, let me just quickly check for you guys right now. 
has a PD ratio of about 45. AMD has a PD ratio of about 33. Um, I don't expect AMD or NVIDIA to get down as low as 15 PD ratio because it's just historically like never been there uh, since I've traded it. Um, but I haven't been trading this style for long where I've been paying attention to the to stuff like PE ratio. Um, like an, a low PE ratio to me for any of these two stocks is already like at 20 or like 25. Anything in the 20s kind of screams out to me, but we'll see where, we'll see where the market goes in terms of price to earnings ratios. Something also to be said is you might hear in slang being thrown around um, of multiples contracting or maybe you know business profits shrinking. Um, price to earnings ratio is the price of the stock divided by the earnings per share of a company. So you'll start to see um, that if the, a price of a stock remains high, maybe people are buying into it because it's like a little culty maybe people are just buying it because it's you know they just like the stock um, but yet the company starts making less and less money suddenly that's a big price uh, number divided by a shrinking EPS or earnings per share number because it's the company's um, making less money you'll start to see P&E ratios get a little bit out of whack um, you typically want to see uh, the price uh, to earnings ratio shrink as the company makes less and less profit. Um, there is a theory of like positive and negative divergence that you can look up if you're into like some like technical analysis sort of things, where um, if one number goes down, another number goes up, and that's like a sign or indicator to do some sort of type of play. Uh, go look that up if you're into that type of stuff. But uh, yeah, I think. I think the name of the game right now is definitely invest in companies that have already proven themselves. If you're even thinking about investing, uh, you know there's a plethora of newer investors that just started trading because of the major rally that we've had since COVID, and people have been stuck at home, maybe learning more about stocks, and entering an environment where it's only gone up. Um, this is definitely a time where you want to start vetting people on their past performance because I would say that if you bet on companies that right now have to prove themselves, it's going to be a lot more difficult to win. Um, case in point being, if a company does not have a P&E ratio, it does not have earnings per shares because you know, you have a price of your stock, which might be $10 and you make no money, AKA zero earnings per share or negative earnings per share um, because you're losing money. And then a positive number divided by the zero or negative number is <laughs> having no ratio. So be careful. Uh, if you look up a stock and it has a P&E ratio and it's a decent number, like right now, I'm suspecting that anything in the S&P 500 uh, should be looking on its way down to 15. It doesn't look out of question to me of things going down from here. Like I would not be surprised. Uh, I will be happily surprised if we started trending up. Uh, I think that's like always a good thing. That's something that I'm I'm always rooting for. I would always rather have the stock market go up and then have me just join in a little bit later after it's like proven itself after a good nice uptrend. 
Um, but for right now, I don't see the market having many outs um, to rally really hard. Um, one out that I do see is the uh, CPI report. And just so we're all on the same page, what, when is that? Let me see, CPI. Um, let me get that, CPI, CPI, CPI. And found it, the next report is on the 13th. So not this coming Tuesday, on the 6th of September, but on the 13th of September at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll see the next CPI print or the next CPI number. Um, we barely started going down um, the last report. So if there is a world where we show and print a lesser number um, than the last one, I'd say there is a chance that we can start uh, going for another rally. And as um, the CPI number or inflation starts going down, that there's more and more room for a cut. But uh, since uh, Powell has reaffirmed that they are willing to keep raising rates and keep rates high to make sure that inflation doesn't get out of control, um, it just doesn't look all too great for people that are willing to put more and more money into the market. I think dollar cost averaging with money that you just don't care about at all or that you don't need is always a good thing. Um, but there are a good handful of people that are still playing the market as if we're still in the same market of 2020 and 2021. And it's just not simply true. So um, if the CPI report number or inflation is reported worse than expected, I can definitely see us starting to head uh, lower if we haven't started heading lower already. Um, tomorrow is Labor Day. Uh, we have the stock market off. Um, but we'll see where the stock market um, finishes for this week uh, and getting ready to uh, see the next CPI number. Um, my main suspicion is that the market will trade relatively flat, maybe a little bit higher, just as some relief from the amount of um, that we've gone down, especially since the um, you know the the graphics card or the the AI chip, data center chip ban from uh, NVIDIA to China. Uh, but it's, it's anyone's game really. And it's about knowing when and where you win and where, when and where you lose. If you're buying options right now, you are playing with absolute fire because there could be a news piece from any angle. There are so many speeches that you have to kind of like keep your eyes on. Uh, if you're not a fan of stop losses, then you sh you're, you're always worried that you know, you're going to miss some sort of speech or announcement or some change in market sentiment that can make you lose a lot of money. If you do believe in stop losses, then you're still playing with fire because you're still in danger of getting a number of you know, stop losses triggered. Uh, you know, a clear case in point of when you are tilted is when you accuse some market manipulator of you know <laughs> buying your stop loss and then sending the market higher. I've seen that so many times on FinTwit. I can, I can buy a Tesla if I got a nickel for every time I heard it. Uh, but on brighter news, uh, I've gotten to McDonald's twice uh, in the last three days, and every time I've gone there, it's been like 
11 p.m. And the drive-thru is packed. I mean, like, I'm waiting, like, 15 minutes um, in the drive-thru for McDonald's. So people, I don't know. I'm going to have to look up some some data on this, but I'm pretty sure people or not, I don't know why I keep saying people, but I'm pretty sure fast food restaurants benefit when inflation is high. Because, I don't know, something in me tells me that people think that buying a tomato for like $5 is less of a deal than, I don't know, like five double cheeseburgers. But I can't even make that example anymore because a double cheeseburger is like almost $3, I think, from McDonald's. So I'm going to quickly just actually check out McDonald's stock as I bring up that point. Um, Yeah, I mean, McDonald's stock looks fine. (laughs) Which, I mean, which is saying something, to, to be honest. Like, I'm probably going to spend some of my night actually just looking into fast food stuff. Now, the case is that, like, if inflation is actually reported to be doing well, then does that mean fast food starts to go down? I don't know, but, like, wow. Like, if you, if you look at McDonald's, like, five-year chart, that looks solid. It's like nothing has ever happened. <laughs> um, wow. But to be fair, its p e ratio is also at 31. Uh, while McDonald's, I think, has a really good app. It has lots of discounts in it. It really incentivizes you to log in. You can show it in the drive-thru. It's really nice. You could use it in the restaurant at the kiosk. Um, it's still pretty high for a fast food restaurant a restaurant especially but um yeah i'll probably do more due diligence on this this might be the topic of the next episode i'm not sure but wow i can't believe i just had this thought and i just like looked it up okay cool so um that's that so just like referring back to the original question um watching from the market sidelines and what my thoughts have been uh i've been more choosy uh, that's for sure um i illustrated and talked about some of my ideas for uh, re-entering the market. Um, A really small, concise way of saying it would be that I would hope that my positions or my my sell points or the prices that I sold at uh, get reached again and I would buy back in when uh, the market has gone up roughly like 10% above from where I sold uh, because that way if I buy at that point um, 10% higher than when I sold, I would be um, matching SPY. Right now, I'm beating SPY, um, but uh, you know I don't want to re-enter like, right when my positions or my uh, sell points get breached. I think that would be very tilting. So I've been just on the sidelines like looking at other stocks and looking at the stocks that I've, I was currently in. Um, I'm still a fan of PayPal, um, of what they're going to do with their buyback program. But I felt that the risk reward for me was better to just uh, exit out my whole portfolio and start reevaluating from a non-biased point of view uh, because uh, it just made more sense for me not to take on the risk. If PayPal started mooning uh, after I had sold, then that's great. There, there's probably some really big factor that I haven't taken consider of or consideration of or... Um, some macro environment thing changed. Yeah, maybe I missed out on a few dollars because I sold um, for a loss, but as long as I re-enter at some point, I'll be able to recoup the losses on the way back up. 
now a lot of people will also say that but the difference between me and that other person is probably that i have a like a specific price um if i sell for example paypal at 90 dollars my plan is to get back in at say 99 dollars um, and then i'll have my worst case scenario covered in case if i buy 99 and then the stock starts going down well i'll just be in line with spy yes i got in 10 percent a little bit too late but my max loss is covered for now if i get in 10% over my sell point, then that's also great because now I'm just riding the wave and seeing where the rest goes. But I am very loss adverse. I don't like um, like uh, realizing losses. It's not like a thing that I typically like to do in real life either. Um, I'm a pretty good winner. Like I don't, or pretty good loser I mean. Uh, I take losses in stride. I learn from those mistakes. Um, but I just don't like making them in the first place, which is why I have such a like very hard set of rules that I follow when I trade options because it's one of the most tilting things I've ever done, I think, in my life. But because I've gotten such a good control over it, uh, I feel confident and proud to be able to show off like how I do it. Um, because I feel like I'm just like any other trader, really. Like If I can make a profit from doing this i i believe i firmly believe anybody else can like i'm just like a regular person that learned like very fundamental stuff from wall street bets i got got a few times or a lot of times i made a lot of money a lot of times and it's like all of these experiences has given me an ability to be able to talk about these that sort of things on a platform where you know i can give praise but i can also give a lot of warnings uh, to all of you listening for the small uh, percentage of people uh, that are all cash are listening i bet you there's only like a small handful if if any i think a lot of people are are still invested or the ones that have um oh man what's the what's the word i'm looking for um the ones that have sold all their positions for a loss capitulated yeah for the ones that have capitulated i do feel like they quit already um fintwit is pretty quiet uh there's not a lot of whole lot of uh gurus calling out uh plays right now because uh, i think it's just a death sentence for your option service if you were to call a play wrong right now to be honest because people are so desperate to make money right now that they're willing to listen to anything and um in a volatile market like this you could share a lot of screenshots that make you look really smart but then as soon as someone joins that service and then follows a few trades and realize realizes you never talk about your winners or you never talk about your losers then that's one upset customer so um be wary i think is my number one tip right now uh like i said before dollar cost averaging with money that you don't need at this moment in time and you already have a nest egg and you have all everything else accounted for you have an ira max down and everything i think dollar cost averaging is never a bad idea but there there is just a big warning that i gotta give out that is like if you're still actively um trying to um produce as much trade volume as you were doing in like 2021 you, that's probably a good sign 
that you need to, um, or if you're at as much trade volume as 2021 and you are red, that's probably a good indication that you need to slow down. Um, make your expirations longer. Give yourself more time to be correct. Um, if you're buying stock and it just seems to keep on going down, maybe um, you buy in smaller increments over time. You adjust your dollar cost averaging schedule. Um, because I'm really hard pressed to find anyone that's really green at the moment. Because it's, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I the only green in my portfolio that I've had this year included Intel, and that was like 18 bucks. Costco, which is around four thousand dollars, and um, Costco, Intel, and Nvidia, which was around two thousand dollars. But besides that, um, yeah, down what was it again just just to just to hammer it home yeah i am down 14k on 197k portfolio and i'm down 7.1 percent and so i'm super happy that again i dodged all that scary china semiconductor news um and currently i'm in no rush to hop back into semiconductors i really love to see um earnings come out first see what the impact is on just revenue from you know just china and just more just more news about that stuff it'd be nice just hear from the ceo what, what's happening on the earnings call um as opposed to just seeing news pieces come out uh, i'd rather just hear it um, from jensen himself or lisa herself and what what, what else what else what else um, yeah, just tech layoffs are still happening, though I did see a headline that uh, they're starting to slow down, but we just heard that what Snap is doing at 20%, um, and Bed Bath & Beyond is doing, well, Bed Bath & Beyond isn't tech, but Bed Bath & Beyond is also doing a 20% layoff. So it's tricky. I think companies will start to make less money. I've seen some bearish videos talking about how because companies are making less money, this is the start of the contraction of multiples. Um, and so that's why I think that uh, P&E ratios have room to go down, AKA earnings of companies have room to go down, AKA people thinking that earnings going lower means the stock should be lower uh, going down. There's a lot of reasons for the stocks to go down. Um, I've spent a lot of my time looking at the bullish, or sorry, the bearish side. I'm usually the type of person to look at the bullish side of things and hope for the best. Um, but as I'm reading these bearish side things, um, I'm taking it with a grain of salt for sure because I still do have that optimistically bullish side in me. Like that's definitely who I am uh, at the heart. Uh, but learning more and more about the bearish side has put things into perspective where, you know, I do want to eventually re-enter the market, but it's definitely going to be at a slower pace. Uh, and so I've been kind of channeling that energy into making the website better. I'm starting to consider this as like the stock winter, you know, like everyone talks about the crypto winter. Uh, during the crypto winter, Coinbase and all these other crypto, big crypto companies they don't just like pause because Bitcoin is at a low price. What they do is they develop during these um, these bearish times. And so when the next uh, bull market happens, that they are set up to be number one and in the front hot seat 
uh, when the action gets going again. Maybe they're building infrastructure, they're scaling out their um, their their teams or their plans to scale the team. You know, a lot of people are doing cutbacks right now, but um, the same thing with like the stock market uh, bearish movement. Like right, like if stocks aren't doing so hot and I feel like I'm really antsy, I'm gonna channel that energy into making datagame.com website better because when there's gonna be that new influx of all these bunch of cool people joining the market again, really hyped up to make a lot of money, datagame.com will be even better than ever and maybe even more beginner friendly because really I'm only one person so I don't have all that time to make it uh, like a first time visitor friendly site. Um, I think datagame.com right now is in a spot where, you know, you hear it from a friend and then you get like a summary from your friend of what it is. And so you kind of have an idea of how to use it. But if you go there and you just totally maybe just like clicked it randomly, you would have no idea basically of what you're doing or what, what it provides and what it's for. Um, but that's all that stuff is to come later. Anyway, um, for right now, just because it's it's, it's such a new experience, um, I'm still thinking of what I'm going to be doing. Again, the PE ratio of our uh, the PE ratio right now, the average being twenty, um, or yeah, our PE ratio right now being twenty and the average being fifteen, leads me to believe that we have room to go down. Um, but that's just with like a week of studying of that's like what I'm kind of running with right now. Uh, maybe my opinion changes. Maybe I dedicate some time this week to look at bullish bullish things. I know I'll definitely be taking a look into why McDonald's has been doing so well. And I'll probably be comparing it with Yum Brands or Yum Foods with other fast food companies. And um, just seeing what consumer behavior is like when inflation is seen to be high. Um, I think that's it for today's podcast episode um just really lucky again that uh of the position that i'm in and i'm trying to not mess up like something that i've been really like coming to realize is the longer you do something the the better the chances of something lucky happening to you uh with doing that thing right like for example, if you trade for a week, um, you know maybe nothing lucky ever happens to you. Uh, but if you trade us maybe the same style for three three years, then cases like this happen where, you know maybe you're like me and you buy uh, a bunch of stock and it goes down really heavily during the Corona crash, but then you hold it and then it goes really up during the Corona rally. I consider that a bit of luck that I've had. Uh, in 2021, uh, there were a lot of people saying that this rally cannot be sustained and that everyone should get out. And I went against the grain a little bit and kept on trading and made a good amount of money there. Uh, consider that pretty lucky because I had my own conviction of the lessons that I learned uh, the previous two years. Um, and this time around, I feel like I got um, lucky again too. Uh, where um, I sold my positions and then the a few a few hours later, like a piece comes out where my favorite companies aren't allowed to sell to China for some of their best chips and their macro environment's kind of shifting to where you know we're kind of taking care of our own as the U.S. as a country 
and it's it's a weird spot to be in. Like I've never been all cash since I've started ThetaGame.com and in the three and something years that I've done it. So this is definitely a new perspective, but I do feel the luck. I don't. I can't. I can't say it enough. Um. Uh, of how lucky I feel, and so I'm trying to not mess it up. The longer you do something, uh, the luck, the chances of something lucky to you happening gets greater and greater. But it's what you do with the luck that matters, right? Like anybody um, that could be in my similar situation, uh, maybe you know they dodged a big piece of news coming out, and they're like, "Whew, you know, I dodged that." Now it's time to buy puts for these companies, right? Because, you know, they didn't learn the lessons of buying puts off of news pieces because, you know, you're supposed to buy, uh, you know, um, buy, uh, buy, the, buy the rumor, sell the news or something like that, you know? You're supposed to, um, you're supposed to definitely make sure that, uh, you know, you do your due diligence when you're doing these type of like timing plays. If, if even that, you need so much luck to go behind it. But there, there will be other people in this similar situation where they dodge a bullet by selling everything in the next day that, you know, or the next few hours something, something comes out that makes the stock go way down. But for me, it's about acknowledging how lucky I got and then very strategically planning my re-entry because I don't want to start lagging behind the market, right? Like in case if this is the very bottom for um, all the chances it could be, um, if this was the market bottom, I wouldn't want to stay out till like the end of the year uh, because I would miss out on a lot of gains and miss out on my chance to go green for the year. Um, but I also don't want to ruin it by getting too aggressive because, you know, oh, I already dodged this bullet. So, you know, I can spend a little bit more and buy calls here. I could buy puts here. You know, it's the same thing as losing all that money there. Why don't I just do this? There's so many fallacies like that where people get caught up in thinking like just because you dodged a bullet means that you have a free free hand to play um you need to make sure that you know you realize when you get lucky and you do smart things uh when those things happen to you uh and that's something that i'm just going through right now anyway um, that was a bit long-winded of, you know, just how I feel being on the sidelines, but I, I just, I guess I couldn't think of a more concise way to say it. Um, it's a good feeling. I wish that I could feel proud and, um, kind of gloat about it and, and all that stuff. You know, you know, I think another guru, uh, would be like, uh, I don't know, like on FinTwit or something, would show off like, oh, if you had listened to me, you could have uh, exited it out because of this, and this was so obvious to see because now the stock is down like this, and join my service for, you know, I don't do that stuff um, on Twitter, or I don't even really do that stuff on the podcast. Like you don't, you don't really hear me say like, oh, there's this there's this many seats there's this sale if you join now if you refer this or there's nothing there's none of that right like i just this podcast is definitely just for those that i don't know need something to listen to on the way to work uh or just want something casual to listen to about the stock market i guess just hearing 
a normal person talk about it. Like I don't use big words. I just kind of just go with, <laughs> just go with the flow. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. I'm still having fun, and it's a primary reason of why I'm still building out the website, still doing the podcast. I love to still be trading as actively as I used to, but I understand right now the macro environment is not in my favor. So I'm just doing the smart thing by being a little bit more patient right now, but I'm definitely still looking. I'll probably have updates about McDonald's for all of you next week. Maybe it's the just the straight up the topic of next week. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. I'll see everybody next week or on the Thadian, uh stream on Twitch at 7.30 oh actually on Tuesday there will probably be no stream or if there is it will be a surprise one at like 5pm pacific because my jujitsu class is actually moved to 7 o'clock now um, so I need to start going at 7 uh, which means I could probably stream at 6 maybe or 5pm pacific I'll probably do one of those times and just stream and just see who comes. Like I'm, I'm not gonna make a big deal of it on Twitter or anything. Um, but yeah, excited to see anybody that's uh, able to show up to that. Um, and uh, yeah, Twitch.tv/realthetygang. And I just want to also, real quickly, thank the patrons here. Um, let me see. Let me see. I want to thank uh, AG, Arfman, Avrilian, uh, Beans J. Kim, Can't Make Money, IRL, Chicken Dinner, Empty Cans, Fancy Wolf, Froggy Fresh Trades, Grandpa 95, JZN, Kaput, Lazy Reservist, Leo Jetson, Lord Skeletor, Maestro XC, Maltman1856, McFly, Mememet, M. Hayden, Mike D, Mitch 87 Mods, Mr. Integrity, Mr. Sneezy, Pastor Bedtime, Pocket Change, Roostered, Rustier, Seneca, Shifty, Slow Motion, Statistically Random, Symmetrics, Suggester, Theater Rate, Upstream Puddle, Vlad TC, and Ensis88. Thank you all, and I'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.